Good morning, friends. Thank you for joining me here today. My name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors at the Vine Church, and I am just honored to get to share a message from Scripture with you today. It has been a whirlwind of a week for me. I've been in Texas most of the last week. I got to go there to visit extended family and celebrate my grandmother. My grandmother passed away and we had her celebration of life. And, you know, parts of that were really challenging and hard, but there was also so much joy. We got to celebrate her life. And she was a woman who loved her family and loved Jesus so dearly. And that was evident in all the stories that were told. And so it was just a really beautiful time, a sweet time for for me and, and for my family. We told stories and reminisced about grandma. You know, grandma was born in 1932. And so when she died, she was just two weeks shy of her 90th birthday. And it was so interesting to think back on her life and, and all the things that she experienced and, and lived through you know, as a little kid. She was, she was alive in the Great Depression. And, you know, I remember her telling us stories of how little they had when she was little to make extra money. I remember she, she told us a story once that she would stand on the street corner with the newspapers and holler out the headlines and sell newspapers to passer buyers. And uh, one time I was homeschooled and, and I'd been talking to her and I'd been studying uh, about the world, World War II. And so I mentioned Pearl Harbor and she piped up and she said, you know, I remember standing on the street corner yelling out the headline that Pearl Harbor had been bombed. It's just fascinating for me to think back on, on her life and, and to realize all the things that she has lived through, that she lived through. You know, the time and the place in which we are born has such a huge impact on our lives. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're actually starting a series on Moses. I'm really excited about this series. We're going to be looking at the life of Moses and specifically his walk with God. And Moses is described in scripture as a great prophet whom the Lord knew face to face. And there was no other prophet like Moses. He did great signs and wonders in Egypt. He was a great leader. But lest we put him on this perfect pedestal right from the beginning, he also killed a person and tried to hide it. He was fearful at times. He was very slow to answer God's calling on his life. And at least once he took credit for the miraculous deeds that God was doing. You see, Moses was a real human being with strengths and with weaknesses. And I'm excited to dive into his story and, and learn from Moses and also from all the other key characters that we'll, we'll read about in this story. Before we go straight to Moses's birth, I wanted to talk, spend a few moments talking about the backdrop in which he was born into. So what was going on in, in this time in history before Moses was born? You know, going back to Genesis, God had made a, a covenant with Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to turn you into this great nation and I, you will be my people and I will be your God and I will bless all nations 
through you. The purpose of turning Abraham into a great nation and God being that this nation's God was to bless all nations in the world. And so Abraham's descendants became the Israelite people. Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and his 12 sons and a couple of his grandsons became the tribes of Israel. One of Jacob's sons was was Joseph. And if you remember, maybe you know the story of Joseph. I'll just briefly summarize it. But there's a whole lot of family dysfunction and dynamics going on in his family. And Joseph was actually sold into slavery by his brothers. And Joseph was sold into slavery um, in Egypt. And yet God was with him. And so he moved up from being a slave in Egypt to being second in command, second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. And there was a famine and he actually helped save his family by moving them to Egypt and giving them a piece of land. Through, throughout the years that followed, Joseph, um, Joseph ended up dying of old age and his family continued to grow in numbers in Egypt. There was a new Pharaoh as time passed that came into power that did not know Joseph and did not know the story. And this Pharaoh feared the Israelite people because they had grown quite large in number. And he feared losing his power to this people. And so he he oppressed the Israelites and turned them into slaves. He was ruthless with the Israelites. In fact, as we as we look at Exodus, and then we'll be mostly in Exodus, in chapter one of Exodus, we see how Pharaoh commanded the Hebrew midwives, Shiphrah and Pua, to kill all the baby boys as soon as they were born. He said, let the girls live, but kill every baby boy. It's just this horrendous order that shows the lengths to which this Pharaoh would go to hold on and protect his power. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 17, um, we read this. The midwives, these two women, Shifra and Pua, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. So these two women said no to Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh realized this, he summoned them and he asked them, why have you done this? And Shifra and Pua were shrewd in their response. They were clever. They were very resourceful. And they said to, to Pharaoh that these Hebrew women are vigorous and they give birth to their kids before we arrive. And God was pleased with the midwives for fearing God more than they feared Pharaoh, for honoring God's way and not doing what Pharaoh had requested of them. And so we're going to end up talking about Moses in this series, but I just want to pause and talk a little bit more about these two women because I am amazed by them, Shifra and Pua. You know, these are names that we often don't hear sermons about. They were mistreated, oppressed women in a very difficult time. They were enslaved themselves, and yet they were doing everything they could to help 
others. Their lives had little to no value to the Pharaoh. And yet when he gave the, them a command, they chose to defy that command, which was a very dangerous thing for them to do. And their motivation for defying this command was that they feared God. They recognized the evil that Pharaoh had asked of them and they feared God and did not do it. Can you imagine for me just for a second, what would it have been like to be those women? What would it have taken to respond in that way? The courage, the determination, the, the realization of how dangerous the situation was. And then they're caught. Pharaoh summons them. What they have done has come to light or what they have not done, I should say, has come to light. And they are in that moment clever and resourceful. They're shrewd in their answer. And in fact, they convince Pharaoh that they had no choice in the matter. This last uh, month in June, we have uh, we had a summer book club meeting and we read the book by Kat Armas called Abolita Faith. And I loved this book. In this book, um, Kat speaks of how much we have to learn from the lived experience of marginalized women who face tremendous challenges in their life and they hold on to faith and courage and determination. And Armas actually brings up this story. She brings up um, Shifra and Pua in the book. And she says, isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic that Pharaoh is so fearful of the Israelite men that he would order all the baby boys to be killed? And yet it's the Hebrew women, the Israelite women that God uses to thwart his power. That's such a powerful statement. These women played a significant role and, and, and this was the backdrop in which Moses will be born. It doesn't end there. Pharaoh, after speaking to Shifra and Pua, then orders all his people, all the Egyptians, to throw every Hebrew baby boy into the Nile. Basically, he gives an execution order for all baby boys that they would be drowned in the Nile. You know, no one can choose the time or place or situation in which they are born. This is about as bad as it gets for Moses. So we're going to start and in, in, in this context, in this backdrop, we're going to read the story of the birth of Moses, which is found in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we'll start off just by reading the first four verses of Exodus chapter 2. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Jacob, uh, not Jacob, Moses, Moses's mother 
is mentioned here. Her name isn't mentioned, but her name is mentioned in genealogies um, later on in Exodus. And her name was Jacobed, Jacobed. And I want to say her name, Jacobed. It's kind of a hard name to say, but so often these women's names aren't mentioned. And so when they are, I want to say their names. Can you imagine what life was like for Moses's mother, Jacobed? Imagine the stress and the anguish of giving birth to a son in a time and place where baby boys were, were ordered to be thrown into the Nile and drowned. She hid her baby for as long as possible. And, and the story tells us about three months. And if you've ever been around a kid, the bigger they get, the louder their cry is. And it's really hard to hide an infant that is older than three months. So she hid baby Moses as long as possible. And then she comes up with a plan to put Moses on the Nile in a floating basket. And so she weaves this basket. I mean, can you imagine just for a moment her prayers and her thoughts and, and, and the feelings she might have as she's weaving this basket to save her son? The Hebrew word used here in this story for basket is teba. And it's only used here and in one other story in scripture. And that's Noah's Ark, the story of the flood. It's the word used for ark, for, for the boat, for the special vessel designed to save. And God was planning to save Moses through the actions of his mother, Jacobed. We're unsure of what Jacobed's plan was for Moses floating in the reeds. Maybe it was to, to hide him there. Maybe the basket would muffle his sounds and maybe she would go back and regularly feed him and care for him. We're, we're not sure. The story doesn't tell us what she was thinking for the future. But his sister stood at a distance and watched over him. Likely this is Miriam, though we're not again 100% sure, but his sister Miriam would end up following Moses and become a leader in uh, the Israelite people. But we do know that it was a family endeavor to protect and to save Moses. And the whole point of this story, the whole point of this basket and putting him in the reeds on the Nile floating there was to save Moses, to hide him from the Egyptians. So what happens next must have just been shocking to, to them. So we'll continue the story in Exodus chapter two, verse five. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. 
And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. What a shocking turn of events. Here, Jacobed is doing everything she can to hide Moses. And who finds him but the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess of Egypt, a woman born into great power and great privilege in that country. And immediately she recognizes that this must be a Hebrew baby boy. And she knows what's going on. She knows that her father has ordered the execution of all the Hebrew baby boys. And yet in that moment, as she looks in the basket, as she hears this baby cry, she sees the baby and she has compassion. She has compassion on Moses and she wants to save the baby. And here is Sister Miriam's star moment. She's watching and seeing what's going on. And I'm sure she had a moment of panic as the baby was found. But then she's hearing the words coming out of the Pharaoh's daughter's mouth. And she recognizes that there's an opportunity here. And she was probably just a young girl. Uh, scholars estimate between 6 and 12 but she recognizes this opportunity and she steps up out from hiding and she approaches the Pharaoh's daughter and she offers to go find him a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby, which seemed like a great idea to Pharaoh's daughter. And so she goes back to her mother, Moses's mother, and says, oh my goodness, mom, I can't believe, you're not going to believe what just happened, and unfolds the story and brings back Moses's mother. And the end result of her quick thinking and her courage there is that Moses is safe and he gets to be with his, his bio family for a little while longer. And then he is then taken to Pharaoh's daughter to raise after that. I mean, what a, what a powerful, what a dramatic and also traumatic story of, of someone's birth in the situation that they're born into. I want to zoom out for a minute. You know, Moses will become this great leader, this great prophet. He will lead the people out of Egypt. And when we look at his birth story, it is a story of courageous women resisting and thwarting an oppressive regime so that he could live. And I find that so powerful. The courage of these women to stand up to what was evil and to stand up for something good. Shifra and Pua, the midwives, feared God more than Pharaoh. They defied Pharaoh's orders. They saved many babies. And then they cleverly convinced Pharaoh that they had no choice. There was no other option for them. Jacobed, the mother of Moses, was a marginalized and oppressed woman. They were coming for her child to kill her baby boy. 
and she hid him and then she devised a plan to hide him in the reeds and to save him. Miriam, likely Miriam, a young girl who was Moses' sister watched protectively over her baby brother and courageously saw an opportunity and approached a woman who had all the power over her to propose an ingenious plan that would help her family, would help Pharaoh's daughter and would save her baby brother. And then last but not least, Pharaoh's daughter, a woman of great privilege and power, a woman who could have done anything that she wanted, and yet she had compassion. And she used her power to save this baby, even though she knew her father was trying to kill him. God used these women in powerful ways in this story. So as we look back at this story, what is, what is our invitation? You know, there's so many lessons we could draw out from here. One of the things that really stands out to me is that we are invited to be used by God in whatever time and whatever place and situation we find ourselves in right now. That God is powerful and God wants to use people. And we are invited to be used by God, to allow God to use us. God wants to work in us, wants to work through us. You know, as we read this story, we read about oppressed and marginalized women who faced great challenges. And God worked powerfully through them to begin his plan to save his people. And they may not even have seen the fruition of that plan. We don't know. But God worked powerfully through them to begin his plan to save his people. And it took them being courageous and willing to follow God in the face of great evil. We also read in this story about a very privileged woman who used her place in society for good. That Pharaoh's daughter, God worked through her. And, 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 and through her, through Pharaoh's daughter, God would begin the plan to save his people by saving Moses, who would be the leader first. God accomplishes big things through faithful people who listen and follow him. And so whatever situation in life you are in, I am in right now. I can assure you that God wants to work in us and through us to accomplish his purposes. And God's purposes are always good. They're always loving. They're, they're about healing and drawing people close to divine love. And so those are purposes that we want God to work and accomplish. So my prayer for us for us as a community, uh, the Vine Church community here in this larger community of the Tri-Cities, my prayer for us is that we would surrender to God and allow God to work in us and through us. My prayer is that we would truly see and recognize the oppression of, of people in our time and how people are oppressed and marginalized, that we would see those 
people amongst us. And that whatever place in society we might hold, be that a pretty high place or a pretty low place by society's standards, whatever our place in society, we would make ourselves available to be used by God for his purposes of to love and heal all people in this world. So I invite you to pray with me as we close out. Dear God, we thank you that you are a God of love, that you are a God of mission, that you want to see people and, and, and this world restored and healed. And Lord, there is great evil around us and there are many hard situations we recognize that, but we also recognize that you are a powerful God of love and that you are moving and that you are working. And Lord, that ultimately your will will be accomplished. Your purposes of good will be accomplished. And so God, we surrender to you. We open ourselves up to you and we ask you through your Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to accomplish your good purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining me. I hope you have a blessed week.